Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Love Fruit Podcast, a podcast for people who are interested in the raw vegan, fruitarian, uh, low-fat raw vegan or whatever you want to call it, raw foods, lifestyle, living foods, all of these different names, uh, basically health, veganism, whatever, if you're interested in these things we might have something interesting for you and today we have uh, another uh, fantastic guest, uh, an important influential figure in the raw vegan, uh, fruit-based culture movement. Yeah, absolutely. Is that me? Uh, many of you probably recognize Chris Kendall from, um, obviously some of you from being at events all over the world where he's spoken at the UK Fruit Fest, uh, I think three or four times. Um, also at the Danish Fresh Foods Festival, the Sweet, uh, Raw Food Festival in Sweden, uh, the Croatia, the... The cruise, Slovenia. Are you part of the, the Slovenian festival? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Croatian cruise. Croatian yeah. cruise. Uh, Woodstock Fruit Festival, of course, Canada Fruit Fest. I'm sure a whole number of other events. So you might have meet, met him in person there. You may have seen him online uh, on his YouTube channel, on the Raw Advantage, his website, Instagram <laughs> as well, with a, a, a lot of followers. And, and, um, so, Chris, how are things? Is there anything else you want to add to that that you should know about? Uh, maybe Twitter. And uh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> TikTok. Yeah, no. <clears throat> yeah, no, I wish. That'd be pretty crazy. That'd be, uh, <laughs> that'd be a little bit nerve. You know, that, that takes some nerve to do TED Talk. Kudos to people who do that. It's amazing. Hopefully one day. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty great. Um, I'm a little stretched thin, I'll admit. You know, it's been a busy week and a half, and I'm in my busiest month of the year, to be honest. I've just been updating the site and I'm busy creating a new program and XYZ, but uh, I'm here, I'm present, I'm feeling good, and I'm still going to be talking to you and connecting with everyone here. Yeah, let me say, Chris, like, obviously I'm not there with you in person, but I've, over the last few weeks even, and I, I mentioned this to you, but uh, you're, I don't know if you've changed anything recently, but you're looking really good. Obviously, you have maybe you've changed parts of your facial hair and stuff, but you're looking really good. You're looking happy. You're looking light. You're looking kind of stress-free. So anything changed recently? Are you just recovering from uh, more from your injury in the last few years or, or what's happening with you now? Well, well, I'll tell you, if you saw me last night after doing four hours of uh, website updates and then it all disappeared, I wasn't stress-free. <laughs> nothing like computer errors that's that's probably my biggest stress in the world is when you're trying to get stuff done to to share and help people and it you know you have to do it three or four times in a row but no you know i'm feeling great um you know i've I've really really been focusing on getting more sleep on uh, cleaning up my diet and just making it simpler especially since the new year you know i i've had a pretty intense year and a half with my motorcycle accident and I've, uh, you know, added a few things into my lifestyle, taken a few things out at different times, uh, have really felt like it's a huge need to prioritize, uh, you know, structured exercise and self-care to the 10th level. And on the second, I had another surgery and I'm healing another bone that was sawed apart and refixated with a plate. And I'm, I'm healing. I want to heal super quick because I have a retreat in March and I want to be surfing, you know, and they literally just sawed bones apart in my leg. So I got to heal really quick. Uh, so with that, I've been really simplifying, just more sleep, uh, no spices, really no irritants or anything like that, kind of going back hygienic style, loads of greens, green smoothies, uh, barley grass juice powder, 
Um, I have added a little bit of more seaweed, uh, mm -hmm. just different varieties of seaweed for dense mineralization. Not because I was worried that I wasn't getting it, but just because, hey, if, if I'm repairing bones, I'm going to throw the whole book at it. And uh, it resonated and felt like something fun to try and to add. So I sourced out good quality seaweeds. Uh, but, you know, that's that's really mostly it. I am also, I'm taking vitamin D and uh, B12 because, again, vitamin D is so integral with uh, bone healing and health. Mm -hmm. And I've been inside for the last couple of months here in Canada. It's minus 40 something today. So not getting much mm -hmm. sunshine. So I want to make sure I have enough to really regrow bone and for bone health to the utmost, you know. But uh, other than that, that's my job. You know, I mean, that's honestly what I consider my job is self-care and sure. to live this lifestyle to the fullest and share and show people that you can not only live healthy, but you can live healthy compassionately in such a way where you're really creating the biggest waves out into your, you know, your community and into the social sphere. So. I love that. That's what I, I love doing. That, that you say that's your job. I think it should be everyone's job as well to look after themselves. And um, let's get back though for for the, some of the people that maybe haven't come across you who are coming across this uh, this information for the first time. Maybe they they, they might want to hear how does a person become? As I know you are a very committed uh, someone that's very committed to their health, who's made a lot of sacrifices, a lot of changes, a lot of transitions. Uh, you eat 100% raw diet for the last 15 years, I believe. Um, so what, what, where did that all start? What, how did that, that process begin? Well, you know, it, it all started because I lost what I had. You know, like I was always a carefree, very joyous, like excited, passion-driven person. Like I can honestly say when I was younger, beyond obviously the little teeny things that can happen to anyone where you get upset about things not working your way. I was always very optimistic and happy and just loved life, you know, yeah. and all I did was skateboard and play. And my entire mission was just to skateboard and eventually become a professional. That's what I thought would be my, my calling and everything I did geared towards that. Every kind of job I got, wherever I moved, you know, my friendships really were based around skateboarding. And by the time I was 18, though, that skateboarding kind of, you know, it was still the major part, but I was getting into drugs and into alcohol, into partying. And I was having a fun time at first, but it quickly went the other way where I was doing that because I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling happy. I wasn't feeling connected. I wasn't recovering well. I wasn't skateboarding at my highest. And I got depressed and I, I, I was losing it. I, I didn't want to live anymore. I remember going on flights and literally praying for it to crash like i'm not kidding i'd be on the plane going crash 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 like oh and like I, I wanted to and i mean that just reflects like i didn't care about anything or anyone like i wanted the fucking plane to crash right um <laughs> and i knew i needed something so it was such a sharp contrast and it was just, it was a slow it was a slow transition to that but um when it got to a point it really nosedived and so i found yoga um that led me into the concepts of uh yogic kind of methodology around diet and nutrition and karma which kind of got me interested in nutrition which before i thought was a joke my mm -hmm. sister was a vegetarian for years and i just laughed at her and like yeah. pretended as a t-rex and you know i just i thought it was silly but uh i needed a shift and i found a book called fit for life which really opened my eyes to uh fruit and vegetable based eating it even mentions raw food and food combining and you know, to make a long story short, I'm an A-type personality. When I find something that I feel works or that I'm interested in, if it hits me on a core level, you know, there's certain truths that 
every single cell in your being just goes, yes, like you just resonate with this is it, you know, and mm. that book, that book hit me so hard. That's over 20 years ago now that I started eating fruit for breakfast 20 years ago. I started food combining 20 years ago. I started, you know, moving towards vegetarian and veganism 20 years ago. And I can say I've had like five or six cooked breakfasts since I read that book. No, mm. jo no joke. You know, mm -hmm. I just took it on. Uh, food combining became like, that's just what I did, you know, and I've had two sick days in 20 years. I almost know, I don't know almost anyone who's had that little sick days. And I've always yeah. had a robust system. I've always, you know, like been pretty uh, focused and really have a strong mindset. But that book changed my life. And I just, from then on, when I, once I got it, it's like, you can't unlearn it. Once I really understood how much of an impact diet and lifestyle and perspective have, it became the biggest passion and eventually it superseded uh, skateboarding. But uh, that took about five years at first and then uh, a little bit longer for me to really dive full in and make this my career path, which was about 10 years ago. Mm. Mm. And uh, that kind of, um, so but what about the, the raw aspect of it, like going towards raw food? A lot of people obviously go towards some of the things you're talking about, eating more fruit and mm -hmm. going towards a vegan diet and things like this. But what about the raw part of it? Where did that, where did you come across that? And why did that become uh, your focus at one point? Well, you know, even the, the 20 years ago, that book fit for life, you know, recommended fruit for breakfast and if desired fruit for lunch. And if you want, you could even do fruit for dinner. <laughs> like it, it really focused on fruit kind of being the optimal. So right from the beginning that, kind of got in my head was fruit molds in an uncooked raw state are really what we're designed for, right? So I just started incorporating more and more and more of that. And nutrition became the biggest passion. I was reading a book on nutrition, a book on fantasy, a book on uh, spirituality or ethics at all times. I was just reading nonstop. And everything I read pointed towards uncooked raw fruits and vegetables, just mm -hmm. more and more and more of it. So I continued that path. Uh, um, I was low weight foodist by about 16 years ago, 16 and a half years ago, but nothing completely tied it all together. You know, I was reading like uh, David Wolf uh, and Sun Food Diet Success System. I remember Nature's First Law was the first raw book I read that at the end of every chapter it says cooked food is poison and it's very like vehement against cooked food. And I was like, <laughs> like, yeah, this makes sense. Like, I got it. Cooked food's poison. You know, I'm just like, this is it. Um, but I, I couldn't apply it. I couldn't figure it out. And I was at that time just basically eating what would be considered now raw till four, where I'd be eating fruit for breakfast, fruit for lunch, maybe a snack of fruit, but then I'd be eating yams or sweet potatoes and broccoli or the occasional vegan pizza, stuff like that. Uh, you know, and I went to school for nutrition at that time. I got registered as a registered holistic nutritionist through the school CH or CSNN, Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. And during that schooling, I went to a vegan health festival. And there was three raw food speakers there. And I was really excited about this because, again, I'd been high raw for over six months then. I was vegan. I was really interested in it. I wanted to go raw. I just couldn't get it. And uh, the first speaker didn't really get me. Like, I, I thought it was interesting. But the second speaker was Dr. Doug Graham. And he was glowing, man, literally. And I, I don't say that lightly. It was my – everything just kind of met up for me. That was kind of just the point where my entire life really shifted because – before that, I was still doing this for skateboarding. I just wanted to heal faster so I could chuck my body downstairs and do a better trick and then hurt myself and heal, right? I didn't want to work as a nutritionist. I had zero interest, even though I was in school for it. 
I just wanted it for myself. Uh, I saw Doug and he was glowing. Like he was just on fire. Every cell in my body was just like, listen to him. So I went to every one of his lectures. Uh, at the end of the night, I talked to him. He, he graciously gave me some of his time. And, you know, I asked him as many questions as I could. The next day I went raw vegan 100%. And within those first couple hours, well, first 24 hours, my heart center burst open. I was crying walking down the street. Literally just, I connected with my purpose. I, I saw everyone as love, everyone as deserving of love and attention and care and compassion. And I just felt so open and so connected to source that like, I was like, this is it. Like this, like I am love. This is it. This is what I'm here for. I want people to feel this. And many times throughout my life, I felt like if I could just tap people on the head and, and have them feel what I feel, it would make the biggest difference. Cause in that moment I was just like, I was glowing too. I was like a conduit of truth and everything was working so well. I just knew it, man. My whole life shifted. Right. I went back and I saw Doug again, talked to him and, uh, you know, uh, it just, it completely reprioritized my life where, okay, I'm going to be living a life of service to share this message. I want to learn more. Um, I took five years where I really just applied this stuff and I learned as much as I could from as many people as I could. Uh, Doug Graham had a support board at that time, Veg Source, which had like years and years and years of backlogged questions and Q and A, which he put hours into every day. And I spent two or three hours a day, every day for a couple of years going over everything in there trying to figure out the answers to any question I could possibly think of. And uh, after five years, yeah, I, I came up against a big ultimatum with uh, when I was in a relationship that it was basically either like continue doing this path, you know, going down the road to becoming what I am now or get a real job and eat cooked food. And I was just like, I'd rather die. Like I, I this is what I'm here for. Like, and it was tough, man. Like I, that relationship literally in that moment, I was like, you know, it was a, I, I thought we were going to get married kind of thing. It was the first time ever in my life I thought we were, but it was that big of an ultimatum where it was like, yeah, you, you can't just play around with this thing. Yeah. And so I gave, we split and I started the raw advantage. It's been 10 years and that's just been my sole focus. It's now almost 11 years with the raw advantage. And uh, I love it, man. It's super fun. And I do want to say a disclaimer, although for the last 15 and a half, 16 years, almost now uh, I've been a raw foodist and many, many of those years, even like, I think the longest stretch where I didn't have anything enter my mouth was about like four or five years, a hundred, hundred percent raw, uh, minus maybe something like cinnamon. Um, I do now sometimes have some things like peas, which are frozen, which would technically be blanched, you know, or, uh, I've had natto, which is a soya bean that is fermented, you know, which is a technically a living food, but it comes from a, uh, a cooked soya bean. Right. But these are small parts of my diet, which I would consider, you know, usually I say I'm hundred percent raw 99% of the time. Uh, but I do want to just as a disclaimer, say those things. So I don't put across anything that isn't hundred percent accurate. Sure. I think we, we always want to make sure that we're kind of accurate in what we're saying. It's funny. I was recording an interview with someone else and they, they wanted to make that clear as well. They were saying, you know, sometimes I have nuts and they're not technically awesome. So I, I, I get that. Hmm. But I think that for the, for most people coming to this, they, they understand, uh, what, you, what, what you're talking about. Um, so yeah you know I, I do want to say i think it's kind of funny too because like you know i i used to uh when i first was was raw i was very very strictly hygienic uh to the degree where i read some stuff talking about you know like hot peppers or this or that and i, I was genuinely curious this is about five years into my raw food diet i was genuinely curious and i was like i want to try a hot pepper i haven't had one like literally for five years and <laughs> 
and I remember going to the grocery store and looking at hot peppers, but then looking around and making sure no one saw me getting a hot pepper because I actually felt guilty because I was in kind of the mindset where hygienic is proper and right and something outside of it is wrong. And I think sometimes people within a raw food lifestyle can start to actually feel that way too, that raw food is right and anything outside of it is wrong and bad and can produce guilt, which then in turn can produce, you know, like binge mentality and self image issues and, you know, a whole host of stressors in our life. And, you know, I've, I've felt that I've went through that over my last, you know, 15 plus years raw and even having something like peas, you know, there was a time where when I had first had peas, I was like, I can't tell anyone this, this is a bad thing. I'm, you know, outside of the perfect raw kind of thing. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny to think my, what, what at one point would have almost been considered a cheat. Now I just consider it a choice. I choose them because I love them and they feel yeah. good. But at one time, something that would be considered a cheat and maybe even looked down upon by people or is peas, which for many yeah, people yeah. would be considered like the most healthy thing that they eat if they're eating a standard diet, you know, which is, uh, I think it's kind of fair to point that out and really look at ourselves and see what we're feeling. Because if we see someone eating something outside of our normal diet regime, and we actually feel judgment or we feel guilt or we feel tightness around it, it's good to explore why we feel that and see if we can let it go. It doesn't mean you have to eat it, but to check ourselves on our emotional reaction to food and our feelings of how foods are set up and what it means for our well-being or our self-image. Let me tell you about my little adventure with peas. So, like, I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I never really liked peas growing up. I got to say, I, I quite like sweet yeah. corn. That's that's what I would have. So you you know the standard sweet meal, good. potatoes, some kind of meat or whatever, and then maybe sweet corn or peas. That's this kind of a standard thing that we would have in our house growing up. But. Um, yeah, going raw, I never even really thought about peas. They were just kind of not even part of my thought and my idea. I was just so focused on getting the fruit part of it right and eat more vegetables and stuff. And then I did see uh, someone was doing a presentation on a food demo, and they kind of said, well, if I can't get raw peas, I'll just use the frozen peas. You know, and they were making a soup. And I just thought, okay. And then I was, I was at their house, and they made this – Piece, piece soup, right? And I had it, and I didn't really like it that much, or whatever, but I had it anyway. And then a couple of days later, I thought, well, maybe have some peas. So <laughs> yeah, I got some peas, and I thought, how can I make this a little bit better? So I added some like uh, tomato sauce to it or something, made a, made a tomato sauce. Mm -hmm. And um, so maybe it was just like I had some peas in some dish, and mm -hmm. then. I thought, you know, I quite just like the peas. So then I had the peas on their own. And then it became like massive bowls of pea, like just peas. <laughs> like so You, you the, became a peatarian. Yeah, yeah. This is so this is this is a, a, an exposure into like how I am with food. Like I can get so yeah. like obsessed with things like that. And I was having like these bowls of just peas and uh adding like and I started to do this practice where I added this sauce that was basically tomato and tahini. And, yeah. uh, and I just mixed that all up into this big thing of peas. And I, and I don't know how many calories that would have been. But I put peas on are a high lot. calorie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put on a lot of weight in that. And, and yeah. the tahini added. Oh, and there was, there was a while where that was a daily thing I was doing for a long period of time. And um, I just got to a point where I was like, I literally... Got to cut them out. 
I literally have no control over this. And and I was start so I, I got to a point as well where I started to get like a red rash or something on my face, like whenever I, so yeah. it's like there must be something in peas that when you eat it to the degree I was doing it, some kind of toxin must build up, whatever that is, and then eventually it's just like uh, I need to need to take a break. So I've I that was what happened with me, like when I when I had that, but that's that's a reflection on me, like having massive bowls of them every day and. I just got yeah. to that point, and uh, yeah, they're they. I mean, and that's the funny thing. It's like this: they're a delicious food. They are edible in a raw state. I mean, I always, I always, oh, think, sure. about, I always think about that. That that's kind of my definition in a way, because people will say, "Well, nuts aren't raw because they're dry," and I say, "Yeah, but they are edible in in their raw state." So yeah, they've been changed, but it's kind of like eating dried fruit. Okay, it's not. Yeah. Oh, perfect or whatever but it's edible and it's so we don't have to so the fact that it has been that peas or whatever have been heated or whatever um, it's not the same as cooking something that is impossible to eat without the cooking process like i think there's a difference yeah. there yeah you know? and i mean even realistically the the type of cooking and all those things because i mean blanched is quite different than fried for example or even blanched is quite different than than cooked boiled you know because uh blanched typically just dipped in water that isn't boiling anymore for a short period of time to you know change the color and all that other stuff so that it freezes better that's why they really do it and also to reduce bacteria contamination and i'm not trying to make a case for peas in the sense that i think everyone should have them or anything i just (laughs) there's something that i've added that i i feel good about and i enjoy on on occasion too but i agree like have fresh peas from the garden ridiculous they're sweet and crunchy and delicious and uh, i think that's a good measure as well as just what what feels good to you and like you said when you when you found yourself unhealthily addicted to it you know where you're drawn (laughs) to it then that's also a different scenario like understanding why is that like is there a nutritional component is there just an an emotional component is there just a calorie component where it's easier to get your calories in that way and before you're subtly under eating you know there's there's many layers to that. And I think in any situation, it pays to have a second hand or third hand kind of view and go through it and figure out what that is. Because sometimes it's not as clear when we're right in it, you know? And, you know, I know for myself too, like in my first, uh, uh, first even seven years of raw food, I was way more prone to fall down the mountain. If I had a little slip, if I, if I gave myself an inch, I would take a mile. Whereas now, you know, 16 years down the road, and I've, I've shared this on my social media and stuff like that, you know, my girlfriend, she's a cooked vegan chef, and, and I've tried a bite of a few of her cooked food dishes, you know, like, and I could actually take a bite, enjoy it, not have an ounce of feeling bad or guilt, and not even have a slight inkling yeah. to want to eat a whole meal of it or care the next day. Whereas in yeah. the first few years, literally, if I took one bite, I'd want to binge for three days on everything that I've ever eaten in my entire life. Amazing. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, and I it's want to so mention funny. too, it's kind of funny because this, this year, um, because last year was a year where I had a couple more bites of cooked food than I had in the last 14 plus, uh, this year I told myself, okay, well this year I'm just going to simplify it. And you know, the furthest I'm going to go is to have some peas and otherwise it's just uh, simple and keeping it raw and really paying attention to sleep and all the other aspects of health. Cause I want to knock it out of the park and sure. you know, I, I, I too often see 
you know, when people are into this kind of lifestyle, they see how profound it is and they see how much of a difference it can make. But then sometimes they slip on their own self-care routine and aren't necessarily, you know, giving themselves enough sleep or they're overstressing, feeling like the weight of the world's on their shoulders. And, you know, we're going to Armageddon, so we got to wake everyone up right now. And yeah. it's like, you know, I think it's just so important to really focus on ourselves and take the time the rest, you know, the connection that we require to feel our absolute best, we can radiate that out even more effectively. And that's what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 I think what I want to touch upon what you're saying there is, you know, the idea of like, for example, if someone is starting to go down their health journey, and they're getting rid of various foods that are not optimal and, and all that. And if they were to say to me, for example, well, so I, I, for example, like I don't consume salt on a regular mm-hmm. basis. I, I'll have it once in a while, but I don't like add it to my diet. I don't, I don't put it in my own recipes or whatever. Um, but if I'm in a situation at a restaurant or something and they serve me a salad and it's got salt in it, I'll, I'll sometimes I'll take it, sometimes I might not, but I, I don't mind it too much because I know that the next day I'm not going to wake up and start binging on salty food you know Um, but exactly when i started off if i was in the first month or couple of months of giving up salt and i'd been given that opportunity and i'd allowed myself to do that i probably would have went right back to having salt every day and going back so i think there's something there in that as you're saying like if you're years into it and years into um not consuming those things or whatever then then the occasional bite of something doesn't trigger you as much as it would if you were in your first year or six months or three months you know of of going raw absolutely and i mean what it comes down to is just your own self be true and and know thyself right it's like if if you know you're an a type and and that's uh, you know that you tend to kind of get obsessed with certain things or like really intense into things and sometimes it really pays to to walk that tight rope but uh for other people like other people they're a little bit more relaxed with it and they don't have that same kind of uh you know yo-yo type mentality right and it's taken me a long time to go from that richter scale to find my center where i don't find that i go far outside of that center anymore right <laughs> yeah, yeah but uh but it's different for it's it's different to a degree for everyone, but at the same time, there are certain generalities. And if you know your, your personality type and if you have a good enough reason, like, you know, if someone has like a chronic condition, well, it stands to reason to be as tight as you can. And at the same time, be relaxed in your attitude, but be tight with your plan. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I just, I just, I just write that down. Be relaxed in your attitude, but tight in your plan. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I, I was speaking to someone recently who was going raw and I was talking to them about the fact that, listen, you're, you're on a journey now and you're probably going to fall off a bunch of times, but you cannot, don't approach this with the attitude of like, you've done something wrong, there's something wrong with you, this is, yeah. you always fail. You know, people have these stories inside themselves like, I can't do this, I'm, I'm not good enough for this. You know, and these stories come up when they have challenges. And I was saying to her, you need to just understand you're a human being. It's difficult mm-hmm. to do this. Almost everyone has made errors this and fallen off multiple times. And just approach it with like, this is the process. This is the process. Just keep going. So I love that yeah. idea of having a relaxed attitude, 
tight with your plan. That's how I interpret that, uh, what you're saying there. Yeah, and you know, it's like the reality being that everyone on every path is going to have some zigzags. You know, like it's, it's improbable that anyone just beelines from A to Z to their chosen mode of perfection. And, you know, even the thought of perfection can kind of mess people up because a lot of times people think, perfection is a static thing. Like once I have this and I'm perfect with this, well, no perfection in my mind, at least is a dance, you know, it's, it's a movement, it's yeah. a growth. It's a, it's a continual change. Definitely. And we're always, we're always perfect. It's just that perfection is always shifting and growing and changing based on our understanding is through those failures and those slips that we actually understand, learn and grow to know what we really truly want. Right. So, you know, the only difference between someone who's wildly, wildly successful and someone who's on their face is the person who's wildly successful got up and got up and got up every single time, brushed themselves off and said, this is the direction I'm going, right? Mm. The person who's just flat on their face took every single small deviation from their direction as a huge upset and as a failure and then eventually gave up, right? So Yeah, and, and like you've made a phrase there that I like perfect raw food. And to me, perfect raw food has seemed to only exist in online forums and in YouTube comments <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and whether these so or or at raw vegan festivals for the period of the event they're a perfect raw foodist or as doug graham mm -hmm. might say i'm a raw foodist between meals or whatever and um, yeah so the idea of like uh I, I think that's funny in the movement that uh like i'm, I'm fairly open about things i eat and what i do and whatever but for example i've had times where i've been around people and they look at what I'm doing and they start to pick it apart. You know, they start to say, why are you eating so many tomatoes? They aren't, op they aren't optimal, you know. Why are you, having a, why are you having a salad? You should be a fruitarian and eat just fruit. Or, and, and why are you having, for example, something I do that people, other people might not like is I'll have a pasteurized juice. I don't mind having yeah. pasteurized juice. I, I don't make a focus or whatever, but I'm happy if, if I want to or haven't got enough fruit, whatever the reason is, I'll have a pasteurized mm. juice or, or a store-bought store juice, store-bought smoothie, whatever it is. And other mm. people will be allowed, around me and going, why, why are you doing that? Why would you do that? That's you know, not optimal. That's this and that. It's plastic. And I'm like, you know, mm. there's a difference between being a long-term raw vegan and someone who's got a short-term enthusiasm about it and has a concept in their mind of what that means. And I think a lot yeah. of people kind of buy into the this mystical thing that a raw foodist is like you know this perfect thing of never making a slip up never being uh never having a dehydrated whatever and all that kind of stuff and uh, basic basically that, shitting rainbows all day yeah yeah and, and like that <laughs> and i think they're almost disappointed when they actually meet like i've heard people say I remember this story that um, when Doug Graham went to Australia, right, and he was doing mm -hmm. a tour of Australia and he was speaking, and I've heard that, like, I don't know if it was Freely or Harley or whatever, they were shocked when they saw him using tahini, right? And they were yeah. just like, like, that just totally destroyed their, like, almost their vision of him as, like, this perfect, you know, vision of raw or whatever. And I get that. Like, the, we have these principles, and Doug has these principles as well, whole fresh, ripe, raw, organic. Um, but the reality of the thing is it's quite a, I just feel the lifestyle is quite a normal thing to do now. And 
you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to go towards the hundred percent banana diet or never using a blender. No. Or, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and I mean, and, and all those things are fine, right? But like, what it really comes down to is, are you living your true, authentic self? Are you making choices that make you feel good, and you feel good about those choices, right? Because at the beginning, like you said, it's kind of conceptual and it's like philosophical, and it's like fruit is nature's given food. It's the only thing we're designed for. Therefore, if I'm perfect, that's all I eat forever, and I glow, and I eventually won't eat anything, and I'll sit cross-legged and float, and people will go, "Oh my God!" You know, it's like. There's, there's philosophy and there can be ego in there because we picture ourselves as being better if that's how we are. And no, I totally agree. And the thing is like, we're all human, right? We're all going through this human experience and we're doing the best we can. And, you know, we're ultimately doing this so we can be more kind, compassionate and congruent with our highest wants and beliefs and be happy and connected. And uh, it is kind of funny when that does end up resulting in, you know, nitpicking or judgment or, or anything else about anyone else. Cause ultimately this is about ourselves and our relationship with ourselves, our food, and you know it's our path, right? And I, I can see the same thing. I, I, I know someone pretty well who was on the path of raw food and was really interested in it, and um, you know was following Doug Graham. And because their path beforehand was yoga and like enlightenment, and then they they saw Doug and they thought, well, he's on the perfect diet he yeah. should then be enlightened yeah when they met him in person and he was a regular human being with his regular human being things and <laughs> they they all of a sudden were like well obviously raw food isn't it because he's like the key raw food guy and he's not perfect enlightened so i'm and then they actually stopped doing raw food completely just because yeah. they thought that x <clears throat> equals y equals z you know it's like oh that's yeah, not how yeah life works at the same time, at the same time, Doug, Doug, Doug is a normal guy. He is also a special guy. Like he is different. He, he does you thousand know, he, times, yeah. And uh, and but he does have a side to him that maybe people don't like. His kind of, uh, I don't know, you know, because obviously he's a coach. He's come. He comes from a background of athletics, of of coaching, of that kind of strict attitude and stuff like that. So he's yeah. he's an alpha as well, you know. Sure. And I mean, he's fully an alpha, and like. The thing about it as well is, uh, you know, if imagine if you for over 30 years have heard the same questions every single, like a thousand times, like I've been doing this 16 years and I've heard questions millions of times. And when people, <laughs> I, I can't imagine, like he's got another like 20 years on me of hearing the same questions and everyone has their moments and everyone has like, where they're like just completely immersed and compassionate. And other times people have moments where it's like, you know, they're trying different ways of expressing it. And you know, every way doesn't work for everyone, but you know, yeah. sometimes, uh, sometimes you can word things in such a way that yeah. are taken personally, it's, right? It's, so. it's funny as well because uh, he did this presentation one time where he went up and he said, "So this is the questions you're going to ask," and he starts writing. You know, he starts putting up. Who, who wants? Who wants to ask about this? Who wants to ask about this? Who wants? And he puts up all the different topics. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, "Okay, we're going to go through all this now." You know. So as you said, he's, he's, he's got an answer for everything. And usually the answer is a very uh, long, detailed one. As well. Absolutely. Yeah. Something you mentioned there a couple of minutes ago, uh, the idea of the perfectionism, but also going towards the not eating, you know, the, and, and that yeah, yeah. in line with the yoga thing as well. This is something that yeah. worries, worries me so much and really oh, yeah. concerns me in this moment. And it goes along with the idea of not just seeing it as, Hey, we're real people. This is a real diet. It works. It's grounded. It doesn't work because it's all energy or something. It's this is nutrition how it should be, and yeah. 
why are so many people, and, or, or I'd ask you, do you see this the same, that there's people who come to raw food who are into this breatharian idea of like, maybe someday I'll live without food. And, uh, you know, there's even people that promote this idea, they do retreats. Have you come across this in your coaching when you speak to people and at events? And yeah. Stuff? Yeah, no, for sure I have. And I mean, it's, I don't think it's like super prevalent, but, uh, but I do see it absolutely. And I've met people who've gotten into scary places from it. And I mean, to me, one of the things is the more fantastical thing you can promote, the more people are going to be really drawn to, especially people who are drawn to the, the fantastic. Right. And, mm. you know, it again kind of comes back to philosophy and, you know, it mixes ego with spirituality and a whole bunch of other aspects in my mind, you know, I mean, it can definitely come from a very pure place, but at the same time, it can come from a very egotistical place as well, you know, to be heightened, to be enlightened in a way where you're better than it's like looking at self now and saying, no, this isn't, this isn't what I want. I want to be a perfect floating enlightened mm-hmm. yogi. Right. And yeah, you know, whether or not there's truth to that, whether or not there was ever a time where the human species didn't, you know, I mean, people write these things in philosophical kind of fantastical terms. Um, to me, it's like, that's not where we are. And, you know, you know, having that as a goal only sets one up for, for disaster. If it was a natural progression, if that's even the case, then that might be a different story, but that's not something I promote or necessarily even believe in. Uh, I think, you know, we're here in our physical bodies and we, we, are constructed with physical realities, you know, and um, living in such a toxic world as we are right now, I understand why people want to detox at the most accelerated rate they possibly can and why they want to let go of those things. But to me, that really generally ends up bringing people into, again, binge, purge, yo-yo type mentalities that end up not really serving their long-term health goals. And, uh, you know, I think part of it also, to be honest, kind of derives from the point of saying that, you know, like caloric restriction increases longevity and all these things, which is a really inaccurate statement. And I don't say that lightly because I know that some of the leading doctors in the world talk about that, but it's all a part of terminology because, you know, what caloric restriction is, is caloric restriction considered based upon the norm. That's not true caloric restriction. Because true caloric restriction would essentially mean we're eating less calories than we require, which eventually would lead us to a depleted state, which would eventually lead us to uh, losing weight, losing weight, losing weight. More likely, the correct term, which would be more utilizable, would be uh, caloric optimization, where we're actually getting the amount of calories we need. And, you know, again, I I have definitely met people that are, uh, you know, look like they're about to just appear and you know are sunken looking and you can see the ribs because they believe that it's better to strive for that like really light perfection and eat less and you know it, it couldn't be further from the truth from what i've seen you know i would i would personally always rather have a couple bites more uh and make sure i'm really genuinely full and be fully yeah. fully nourished rather than be eating a couple bites less every meal and not be getting enough yeah, I, I just think it's a, it's, a, it's a scary thing to me because I've seen it and I, and I can understand that it is appealing to people and, you know, I, I've read some of those books like Autobiography of a Yogi and stuff where they talk oh, about yeah. Yeah. saints that didn't eat and things. So fair enough. Um, 
uh, I just when, whenever I talk to people I say to them well if it does exist it's kind of like someone being able to fly or levitate or walk on water <laughs> and we don't see a lot of that so <laughs> yeah there might be a person no. that kind of can, can be in two places at one time and all that stuff but we don't really see that uh, we don't no. ever basically ever see it um, what happened in the raw food movement like, or even the vegan movement over last year maybe the last two years people going back to eating meat and things like that there was some prominent people um, uh, any ideas why that was kind of happening do you feel like and uh, do you think, think anyone's starting to change or maybe go back or what's your feeling around all that stuff that happened I mean I, I have seen and heard some stories of people going one way and going back or going the other way you know and I mean, I, I don't want to um, in any way, shape or form say I know, you know, because each, in, each individual has their own journey and has their own reasons, whether they're physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, there's, there's, there's layers to every single person's choice, right? And I mean, I could definitely say some commonalities and I could say some things that I have personally seen with people who have went that route and came back or otherwise who problem solved and never completely went that route, but instead solved it within raw food or veganism. Um, but I think some of the things we have already kind of covered to some degree, like for example, if they believe in, you know, like food, food based purity and are very restrictive and, you know, under eat total calories, or if they're really on that kind of mind frame of thinking like, you know, everything except for fruit from the tree is bad. So they try and eat pretty much strictly fruitarian. Um, you know, if they have a, a restrictive mindset or a, a judgment-based mindset and they're carrying a lot of stress within them, because people don't realize that as well. Like if, if we are doing this from a place of restriction of good and bad and we're holding stress and we're holding judgment around things, that carries a real frequency within our body, which creates a whole cascade of stress effects. And that, that impacts us hormonally. It impacts our uh, alkalinity reserves. It impacts everything. So I think those those aspects, one, the physical, where people just aren't technically really doing it in a way that is conducive to optimal health, eating a lot of greens. Uh, they're doing it in a way where they're not relaxed about it and doing it because they want to. They're doing it because they think they should do it or that it's right. And if they don't do it, they have a lot of judgment on themselves, which, again, going back to people don't usually have a straight beeline. Usually there's some zigzagging. And if they're zigzagging and they're feeling guilty about it and they feel horrible about it and they're, they're closet doing it. Well, that's, that's, again, those are kind of eating order, dis, uh, eating disorder tendencies that can cause real effects in our body beyond the effects of the food itself. Um, when people are completely uh, opposed to any supplementation at all, and they don't take say vitamin B12, but they're actually becoming deficient or, you know, X, Y, and Z. I've seen that, that cause issues. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty uh, relaxed with food groups. Like I, fruit and greens are my mainstay, but I love to have a variety of foods. And within that variety, like I do love mushrooms and I do love, you know, like sometimes sprouted things. And like, a, I'm not saying that those are reasons for my longevity, but I do think that it brings more nutrient diversity, which can help some people in the long term to have some of a, of a relaxed attitude again. Uh, yeah, beyond that, um, you know, the one thing that I've mentioned before, too, is I really do believe that in this day and age with all the stressors we have on us from our food system, you know, to the pollution, to um, electronic stresses from, you know, like, you know, 5G and all these other kinds of things, 
that we are in a place right now where we do have more to buffer than we ever had. And by buffering, I mean having a one, you know, robust immune system and two, having enough alkalinity in our system to buffer the acidity of these daily stressors. And I think that some people get into this lifestyle in a must detox as fast as humanly possible kind of attitude where they're, they're, they're fasting and they're cleansing and they're juicing and they're, you know, just eating fruit and, you know, they're doing all these things, which on the surface, they seem very like sensical, but in the reality of, you know, we're coming into this lifestyle from a place where we've already had a lot of stored wastes and traumas and emotional stagnation to try and release all of it at once can, can burn through reserves, can be trying on the system, can be very trying physically, mentally, and emotionally. And for some people that's too much. And, you know, I, I'm really personally in favor of the, the slow and steady wins the race, you know, whether that means you still have a fairly quick transition or whether that means you have a longer transition um, including lots of greens, uh, and not feeling like you have to try and reach physical purity in as short period of time as humanly possible. Uh, you know, those are some of the things that I think jump out to me as reasons why people in, in now can have, uh, have troubles on the raw food diet and maybe even go to that extreme of one to the other. For sure. For sure. I mean, the, to me, the, 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 Things that we, we, we've always seen as people not eating enough, under eating, yeah. and that yeah. just never stops. It's like people still, and, and I think there's a thing, Chris, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think sometimes even when you work with people and they know what you eat and they know, they know how you eat and mm. um, you're, you're telling them what they're doing, but I think there's still a resistance in people sometimes, especially when you're saying, okay, well, uh, if you need this amount of calories, then this is the amount of fruit you need to eat. And if you actually mm-hmm. give them that amount and show them what that is, you can get that resistance from people who are like, really? That sounds like a lot. Like they still don't really, you know, like a lot of people don't buy into it. Even people that we would think have really got into this lifestyle know a lot about it. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of people, as you're saying, that have always kind of under eaten or never quite eaten enough, ended up eating too much fat, you know, the common kind of thing. And, yeah. Um, and, and going down that route. Um, I mean, it, it yeah. takes like, if you're just, if you're just subtly under eating, like again, like what I often say is, you know, if you look at that fruit and you feel like you could have another bite or a piece, do it. But I think a lot of times people eat until they're like, yeah, I'm good, you know, but they don't have that extra little bit. Mm. And let's say you're missing a hundred calories a day. Well, you're missing hundred calories a day at the end of two weeks, that's 1400 calories. And it ends up in a peanut butter binge. Right. And then you feel <laughs> awful about it. <laughs> You, you think, you think why, why me? Why am I like this? Oh my God, something's wrong. Maybe I'm missing something. And, and all it came down to is just yeah. subtly under eating or, or subtly under eating greens or, yeah. you know, I, th- I think the other thing though, too, really, and I think this is a big thing is, you know, just not really having a good relationship with self, you know, not having yeah. a good relationship with food, because if we don't, we're going to be looking to food our problems, but it, it never does. It's just a temporary good yeah. feeling. And yeah. So I remember, yeah, I remember. I was just thinking there about one of the first times I ran like a small event, and uh, so it was a lot of stress. Like there was about twenty-five people or something at this uh, event at this campsite, and um, we just got we we didn't have a chef really. We didn't have blenders. We just got fruit and vegetables. Like we told everyone that it's just gonna be really simple. So I was obviously working at it a lot. 
Um, at that time, I was really strict, low fat, and I've mm-hmm. went on a bit of a journey where I've went on times that have been really high fat. I, I much mm-hmm. prefer the low fat, so I'm back to that. But like then, it was, and it not not because of dogmatic, but I didn't really like avocados, so I didn't have avocados at the yep. time. I didn't have nuts of seeds, so my diet was super, super low fat. And um, over that weekend, I remember when I was driving home, so you're kind of going on the adrenaline or whatever of looking after all these people and, and all the socializing and all that. On the drive back, I was went to the service station and I saw this packet of uh, pistachios. And I was like, you know, I've never, not had any pistachios in a while. Let's see what they taste like. And like... That led that led to me eating the entire like tub of pistachios as I'm driving, right? And it wasn't yeah, just yeah. that. It's like I don't know if you've ever done this thing where you've been driving or something and you're eating while driving, but you're almost doing it and like like almost the food is more important than watching the road. Like so you're like <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, like I'm like uh, shit like I'm shit like I'm taking my hands off the wheel to shell another few pistachios. <laughs> then, like like that's, that's dangerous. really prop yeah, that's my problem with food sometimes so um yeah i think I, I, like as you said under eating over a couple of days not realizing it and then being totally prone to like some kind of binge and um and i mean when you're i mean when you're really immersed in something you're enjoying or it's just it's it's the highest priority it's easy to under eat that's why i mean when people get into a workflow and they're just working they put oh my god i didn't even eat lunch you know like yeah you're so immersed in it and yeah. You know, if, if that happens consistently, then it's going to, again, you know, either it's going to lead you to under eating throughout a day and then after a couple of weeks end up in a binge, or it's going to end up under eating throughout that day and then eating more at night, which then leads you to feeling groggy and crappy in the morning and not eating till later in the day in the morning again. And that ends up this, creating this cycle where we're eating at inopportune times for proper body functions. Because if we're not eating our first meal until, you know, one or two, and then we're eating you know, our dinner at eight or nine and we're sleeping with a full stomach, we're not getting the most yeah. out of the diet either, right? So. Absolutely, absolutely. So I just wanna, I just wanna change the subject a little bit. Um, so I wanna point out to the audience that this is purely a, a, an interview that was set up because we wanna get everyone's story out there and get more raw vegans out there and get people to hear this on the podcast and everything. Um, but Chris, I, I am aware that you've got a re- retreat coming up and this wasn't designed yep. as an interview to help promote the regime. That's not what we sat down to do. We didn't even talk about that. But um, no. I would love people to go to your retreat. I would love people to tell me that they went along to your thing because of hearing it from us or whatever. That would be. I would. I would really enjoy the fact that Thanks, we've man. been able to touch someone and and let them know about it. I mean, um, I've heard a lot of good things about your retreats in Costa Rica. I think you've got one coming yeah. up. What is yep. the kind of power yep. of a retreat? Why why are people so drawn to it, and why is the experience so fulfilling to people? Well, well, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate that. And uh, you know, I, I only have four spots left, so that's that's real. And it's you know February twenty eighth till uh, March seventh. But the reason why people I think are really drawn to it is because it's complete immersion. You know, it's just like you're full on with it. You totally feel at home. Everyone's doing the same thing as you. Uh, it's kind of the same as a festival, right? Like you're, there's no questions, there's no judgment, there's no, you know, whys around, around what you're doing. And in fact, you're around people who've been doing it for longer, most likely, um, who have answers to questions that no one else, you know, might have. And 
that you know you know you can feel totally at home asking anything and not feel weird about right everything becomes normalized and there is just such a power in being again totally immersed with community doing the exact same things so you can just relax and let go and feel normal and and get those questions answered and just live it you know instead of uh, reading about it or seeing it on a forum where you got 50 different opinions instead you're just doing it and beyond that is where else do you get an all-inclusive uh you know all-inclusive raw vegan holiday where you're in the tropics you're having a blast everything's taken care of and you don't have to worry at all about food in fact you get to taste and you know taste and enjoy and learn how to make food that you actually would want to make right because you can even go to an all-inclusive you know cruise which i've done i've done like a disney cruise and that was a really amazing experience or you could do like a resort all inclusive and you know have juices and have some fruit platters and go to buffets and stuff but it's very different than going to an all inclusive raw retreat where you have a chef you know that is actually making some of your favorite or the stuff you've seen online raw vegan cuisine right yeah. and uh so i think yeah, that's I mean, kind of why yeah i mean, totally. and I mean otherwise maybe the they might have saw my muscles or something and been like, "Oh, I want to get close to, close to those." You know, I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm fascinated by this, and I, it it saddens me a little bit that in the raw vegan community, and I totally understand it. But if someone has a retreat, and let's say the retreat is a reasonable price that covers that, you know, is just there to cover accommodation, cover food, cover all this stuff that's there, um, mm-hmm. and make sure everything works out. You can get a lot of people saying, oh, my God, these retreats are so expensive or these people are like, you know, you get all these kind of comments. And I'm like, just compare it to other retreats, Anything else? other other holidays, other resorts. Like they're mm-hmm. offering you so much less. But they're yeah. like, so I was literally um, going through a travel brochure and just looking at tons and tons of things that were way more double the price or or just as expensive as as retreats that I've seen offered and mm-hmm. off like I can't imagine the values anywhere near the same, you know, like the, the idea that, uh, that someone's going to get a better experience going to like some resort where it's just, you know, a whole random bunch of people that just want to hang out and drink alcohol <laughs> and binge yeah. on food and like be in the sun. Like it is such an amazing experience to, if you're a raw vegan, like, and I, I say this to a lot of people as well. I know that a lot of people want to go to Thailand and or the tropics or go somewhere or Costa Rica even and like go there for mm-hmm. six months and they might be like, oh, for that, the price of that retreat, I can go somewhere for two years. Like, yeah, you probably kind of could go somewhere. For, or in reality, you'd have a couple, couple months anyway. Yeah, yeah. In reality, you'd have a more expenses and things would pop up and you might have to pay for more things. But the experience is so much more powerful. And I've tried to say this to people as well, like there is no place in Thailand that there's a big, that there's going to be that kind of experience. There's no place in Costa Rica that there's just all fruitarians all hanging out. That doesn't, that only happens at events, retreats, the festivals and stuff. And to add on like, not just raw vegan food, but Chris as an incredible chef, like a really talented creative raw vegan chef and all the stuff that goes into that like it's a no-brainer so i hope that a lot of people jump on that and then hopefully you can do more like 
why not like maybe you can do two next year three the next year or whatever and i hope so you know i mean season, I, you know? I, I appreciate that yeah you know what i mean the way i look at it too is like you know, I, I've, I've had people come on my retreats. This is my 10th, the farm of life. And I've done three others. So it's my 13th retreat, but, uh, I've had retreats for people. They didn't even care about the raw food component. Sure. They didn't want any, no education. They just wanted the adventure. And it was bar none. Like at the end of every retreat, I, I ask it, you know, I give out a survey and I ask like, you know, was it priced well? Is like, did you get what you looked for? And I've never had anyone say anything other than it was priced great. You know, like everyone really feels that it was, that it was, uh, they got everything they wanted out of it more. And if you're looking for education, if you're looking to change your life, you know, like, I mean, I was just talking with someone the other day and you know, this information can completely change people's life. I mean, it changed my life 110% and it can be the, the, the actual kind of, launch pad of your entire life changing for the better and preventing, you know, a lifetime of illness or, you know, of, of anything. Right. So it's like, it really depends on what you're going for and your reasons for doing it and your perspective of what you're able to get because what you get is decided upon by you, you know? So, um, I really hope to see more people out there. Again, I only have four extra spots left uh, in a bunkhouse and you can learn a ton more at therawadvantage.com slash retreats or just message me directly. Uh, but it's coming up soon and I've done the most I've ever done is three retreats in one year. And I would love to be doing about four per year, different styles of retreats in different locations around the world. Um, but right now my focus is on just making sure that the retreats I have, I have a decent amount of people, you know, sure, like at least sure. like eight to 10 people at the retreat. So I'm, I'm imagining and I'm putting it out there that uh, the desire is only going to grow and that more and more people are going to want to join me in different places for, raw food, yoga, surfing, skateboarding, culinary skills, you know, not necessarily every single one of those at every retreat, but at least two or three of those at every retreat and uh, mix it up and enjoy in different ways and help people as many ways as I can. Amazing. Amazing. And I, I, these experiences are so, I mean, like it's, it's, it's what I do a lot as well with the, the fruit festival. And I was thinking about this this morning that <clears throat> I'll have conversations with people. And I guess with, with everyone's passionate about the thing they do and, and about the, the events they put on and stuff. But in the involved in this uh, movement, we know how powerful <clears throat> in terms of changing a person's life, in terms of reversing diseases, reversing conditions that the raw vegan diet can be. So when I'm on the phone with someone or I'm talking or, or our emailing and they're like, yeah, maybe I'll, and they, and I hear about their story. They maybe tell me about their, whether it's diabetes, heart condition, all, like all these really terminal kind of conditions, they've got problems. And then they'll say something like, yeah, well, I might come next year or the year after, like I'm getting a new car soon and I've got to buy this. And, and I'm just like, like, I just can't even understand. Just, just don't it, right? get it. Yeah, no, yeah. I, 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 to and, I totally get what you're saying. And like, then, but then you get another person that's like, you, and you're like, so what's your interest in this? And like, well, I, I don't know. I've never done raw food before. I'm not a vegan. Um, uh, I'm just kind of curious about it. Just saw something about it online or whatever. And then they're like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. Yeah, just put me down. <laughs> and you're like, what? This person doesn't seem to have any like motivation, reason, history. Like, it's just, it's just so funny. There's just some people that it calls to and some people that I guess it, exactly. it doesn't, you know? It's just, it's where people's priorities are, right? And if they're, they're can-do people or, you know, I'm going to put it off people, right? And yeah. I'm not trying to, like, 
segregate people into groups by any means, but it just is amazing. You know, it's either an attitude of, okay, this is worth it. This is a priority to me. I'm going to make it happen. Um, and whether that means it's a retreat or whether that means it's coaching or whether that means it's just connecting with people that have the answers you're looking for and taking it seriously and applying it in your life. Uh, there's always ways of making it happen. And there is just something really special and profound and it impacts people in such a huge way when they come and are immersed hundred percent in it at festivals and retreats. It's just, you know, I mean, like I said, my, my first exposure was just a, an event, a live event though, but I, I got to hang out like one-on-one -on -one with Doug and talk with him. And yeah. it, those, those moments can change your life. Yeah. And imagine having that for a full week, you know, there's, that's yeah. there's nothing why that I do replaces it. That. Yeah. There's nothing that replaces the one-to-one -one contact. And no. that, because I don't know if there is something about picking up on someone's energy or their vibe or their vibration, but I mean, I used to have times where I would speak to Doug, and then I would go away and I'd be like, man, I really want to eat bananas now. And it was like, you know, yeah. just stuff like that where I'd be like, I would speak to him and then really want to take care of my health. I'd be like, I'm picking up something from this from this guy just from his presence, you know. And um, yeah. <clears throat> so anyhow, we're coming to kind of the end here. I believe that if people go to your website, they can get a whole bunch of free stuff as well. Uh, like you've got some books there. They're part of your newsletter, I think. So the rawadvantage.com yep. is where people can get that stuff and then that's your Instagram if you want to follow you there and so on. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to mention too, I got a, it's, it's all on my website, but I have a free app that has like over a hundred free recipes, food combining charts, uh, information on simple tips to apply a raw food, healthy, holistic diet and uh, lots of videos and, you know, can get the lowest prices as in-app purchases for the rest of my books. I got like seven books on there, I believe. So, that's all on my site as well, just therawadvantage.com. And I got all my links there. That's so excellent, Chris. And uh, what I would say is we're not, we, we've talked about it a little bit, but we don't know if you're going to be able to get to the Fruit Fest in the UK this year because you're, uh, you're still healing. You've got work to do. You've got appointments. Rehab, I'm really hoping so to. And I'm, yeah. my plan is to make it happen. Um, it, it does in part depend upon our doctors, both me and Camilla, who are in the accident together, sure, sure. the schedule they put us on for, you know, following up with them and doing all this other stuff. I'll be in Sweden. It looks like until, let's see, um, April, May, and June, but the end of June, I have to leave. And so that means either I go to the UK for a month until the festival or I go home. But, uh, I'm putting it out there that my intention is to, to stay in the UK and uh, come to the festival, but it's right now it's a little bit out of my hands and I can't sure, say a hundred percent. Well, that's great. I mean, and if people want to learn more about that festival or the, the uh, about what we're doing, fruitfest.co.uk, you can check that out. And uh, I don't know if there'll be spaces left by the time this goes out, but you can go and check there and see if it's still, uh, there's still some spaces left and, and check that all out. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. I'm, I'm sure we'll be interviewing Chris again. Uh, we've not even touched on even a tenth of the information that Chris has got to share with you. So, but get over to Chris's website as well, The Raw Advantage, and take the leap. Um, we're not getting anything out of this. This isn't, a, this isn't a promotional thing for us, but we I really just want you to have that experience, the experience that I've had and other people have had of going to these events, of being around people, of getting the raw food and of getting that making that change to your life because it's a really powerful thing so um the rawadvantage.com if you want more information on that so thank you very much for listening everyone 
and we'll see you uh, on another episode of the podcast. Ooh, baby, I like it. Raw. Thanks, Ronnie. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Peace out.